Today, I have got a super special episode for you. Tamsin is a young lady who is just starting out on her property buying journey. She spoke to me about her experiences, her plans and her goals. So stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Female Investor, your chance to get involved with all things property, finance, investment strategy, and lots more. I'm Kate Hill, the co-author of the book, The Female Investor, Creating Wealth, Security, and Freedom Through Property. I'm an award-winning property mentor, coach, a qualified property investment advisor, and founder of Buyer's Agency Advisable. Now, remember, everyone, that this podcast is provided for general information purposes only. It does not replace your finance, tax, legal, or finance product advice. You should always seek advice from licensed and trusted professionals. If you want to improve your chances of creating an income for life, this is your place to listen, be inspired, and motivated. So come on, ladies, stay tuned, and let's do this together. Well, hello, Tamsin, and welcome to The Female Investor. Thanks, Kate. Happy to be here. It's so lovely to see you. Now, obviously, you and I can see each other. Everyone else will be able to hear us. Tamsin and I have been in touch, uh, I want to say, for a couple of months. You can correct me if I'm wrong in a minute. You contacted us after you'd picked up your copy of the book, which was so awesome, and you sent us this beautifully lovely, lovely, lovely email And so we thought we'd have a bit of a chat with you about your situation and what you've got planned property-wise. So tell me your version of that and then just sort of tell us a bit about yourself. So I guess I'll just start with a bit about me. So I recently turned 30, so kind of getting into that next decade of my life. Mm. Uh, I'm single, so I don't have a partner. I live on my own. And I am a Brisbane girl, but I live in Sydney. So I've Mm. lived in Sydney for the last six and a half years. I would say my kind of background, I grew up with my parents and an older sister. My parents never had any interest in really their own personal finance like they were fine but it's not it's not an area they were interested in the only investment they really would have had is was our family home that we lived in mm-hmm. and I guess there's a bit more background why I've kind of thought about these topics and really loved your book and the podcast and its focus on women investors is I am one of those women where I always had a bit of financial support from my parents growing up and Mm. I actually always had longer-term partners through my 20s. And now at the age of 30, I find myself single, so really more standing on my own two feet financially. And Mm. also, sadly, my dad passed away a couple of years ago. Mm. So I have very much experienced that feeling of the security blanket being suddenly ripped out from under me for a variety of reasons. And it kind of enlightened me that a lot of women probably feel that way through a breakup or, or, you know, other, it's, it's just life circumstances. And it really opened my eyes to caring about my own financial security, not kind of writing it off as like, Oh, my future partner will take care of that. or my, My, dad will take care of that Mm. (laughs) so that's kind of my background and Mm. yeah like you said I I almost impulse bought the female investor Mm. book at the airport it was great they had it out on display I read it I think in less than 24 hours Mm. it was the perfect resource for me because it kind of broke things down to really simple terms was easy to read and it just it it certainly opened my eyes to thinking about property as an investment 
rather than just that kind of family home owner occupier mm, situation. Mm, mm, yes. Thank you. And I'm, I'm not paying her to say this, everyone, by the way. This is an awesome <laughs> plug for the book. <laughs> Can I just ask, when you did have um, your, uh, what do we call it, in-between partners at the moment, and it actually doesn't. It, self-partnered, I like to say. Self-partnered. Um, when you were, when you did have a longer term partner, did, were those discussions had, or did you find that they weren't quite? That still wasn't in the forefront of your mind back then. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess I had, um, and I'm sure lots of people do. I guess I had kind of various experiences. Mm. My first longer term boyfriend that um, we were together, like through my early twenties it kind of got to a point where we were still in our early 20s and he invested in his first property. So yeah, he right. got an uh, apartment, yeah. a plan in Brisbane, in West End, so one of those kind of developing suburbs. I mm. But I guess we were so young and we spoke about the decision together and we were planning mm. to kind of mm. live in the apartment. This was before we moved to Sydney. But we just weren't, um, we weren't at a stage in our life where we were going to make a joint financial commitment, which is totally understandable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess that probably got me thinking about my mm-hmm. own, you know, like he's out there doing his own investments, should I do mine? And then I'd say with my following relationship, we probably just never got to that point. Like it was a bit probably mm-hmm. more financially separate, maybe because I'd gone through that in the past, just. yeah easier so yes I've never really seriously gone down the path of buying with a partner but I guess there was a part of me that might have been waiting for that Mm. rather than thinking that I could do it on my own yes that's interesting because I Nicola and I did talk about that in our last podcast exactly that um in our last last podcast and it really comes down to the sort of mindset you're in at the time right I mean I think back all those many years ago to my 20s, that was a while ago. And there's absolutely no way I would have been in that headspace. I was at, I was at uni until I was. Yeah, exactly. Right? You're not really was, <laughs> no, no, absolutely. I was doing postgrads and PhD. Oh, my God. You know, did for, for some reason known only to me at the time because I've never used any of it since. But there we go. <laughs> That's a whole other episode. So the, you know, I was just struggling to get through uni. Right. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so, and obviously, everybody's so, like I say, everybody's circumstances are different. So, I was just interested, you know. And I, again, I, you know, really do want to shout out and you know put the call out to people out there to, you know, tell tell me your stories. You know, I'd love to have you on, get everybody's experiences. You know, if you are in your early twenties and investing, please call me because I want you out. I want to, you know, want to have a conversation with you. And I have had clients at that, you know, in that position where they are sort of quite young and investing, though it does tend to be with help from mum and dad, or there's been a some kind of financial windfall, let's put it that way, right? So anyway, okay, back to you. So <laughs> I, I guess the question would be what's motivated you to start thinking about buying property other than our fabulous book, of course. What was the sort of the trigger point um, you've obviously you've told us the you know the sad story about your dad and that sort of come into that realization. Yeah, yeah I, I guess mm. that, that probably plays into it. You know, both experiencing that kind of loss and, mm. and also breakups, and maybe also my age. I think I'm I'm kind of feeling that feeling that I'm sure a lot of people do. Often when you're renting, you're moving a lot. Mm. I've lived in share houses. I've moved cities. You mm. move every twelve months because your landlord sells the apartment. 
And I think I'm feeling like after going through a bit of life turmoil, as we Mm. all have, Mm. I kind of am desiring that feeling to maybe feel more settled and also certainly place that value on knowing that I'm contributing to that financial security. Mm. And I think that kind of is why investing in property and even for me probably looking initially for that owner-occupier situation Mm. will give me a bit more stability. Yes, and also, like I, I guess, it, you know, as we've discussed, it's it's also potentially, as and when you're, uh, you might experience this, experience life changes or meet another partner or whatever might happen. It's also something that can then be an investment, you know, as long as we keep the loan structure in the right way. Again, whole other podcast, but um, exactly. that you are you're sort of hedging your bets a little bit, but you you're getting your foot on the ladder. Yeah. Yeah, And I kind of, I think I'm looking Mm. at this stage to buy that, not not probably like, yeah, I'd say kind of entry level. It's just for me, Mm. the intention would be potentially, even if I hopefully meet a partner in the next Mm. five to 10 years, that I've kind of bought within that range that I can hold onto it as my own investment. Yeah. Because like I've experienced, you can't, I don't really want to live a life where I'm solely dependent on my partner mm. for financial security because I just know what can happen. <laughs> it can be your choice. It, it cannot be. It can be a range of life oh, experiences. I but I just think it will make me feel a lot better to know that I've done mm. something for myself. Mm. Yes, yes. And I think that, that can be underestimated, actually, just that, you know, that, that feeling that you give yourself. Okay, so stampeding on to decision made. So how have you started to, I guess, prepare or get ready, gear yourself up for actually, so having made the decision, gearing up for actually making the purchase? Yeah, so I would say for me, the main steps that I've taken other than reading the book and listening to the podcast and just generally educating myself, I've actually been working with Tina Howes, who's often on the podcast from Oh, yes, yes. So she's working with me to get pre-approval for the loan. But not only that, she's kind of helped me in the very upfront steps. It was important to understand, you know, based on my deposit and mm. my income, what my borrowing yeah. potential was, and then what various repayment scenarios would look like. Because obviously there's a huge range of purchase prices. You can mm. you, know, you can go to your maximum, you can go not mm. to your maximum. So yeah, I guess mortgage broker and having those discussions, understanding my borrowing potential. Mm. Yes. Starting to have a look on even just online through, you know, the real estate apps at then what kinds of properties I can afford mm-hmm. and getting more of an idea of different areas I might be interested in and the different types of properties that are in that price range. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for my own self, it's been very much having a bit more of a detailed look at, you know, what I pay in rent, what I save every month and what I could kind of put comfortably put towards a mortgage while also still affording, you know, the things that I want to in life, like clothes, holidays, like I guess drilling into that budget. Yes. And I would say those are kind of the three main mm. steps that I've taken to understand that purchase price that I'm looking for. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> I think that, you know, those, um, it can often be underestimated that it isn't just about getting the loan. It is forward planning, like you've said especially in this environment that we're in right now, you know, interest rates are going up. That does create opportunity as well. 
yeah. um, obviously. <laughs> and <clears throat> that planning in terms of budget is, is crucial, right? So you sort of think ahead and in terms of what we would call your risk profile as well. And like you said, just because the bank may want to be out or may lend you millions of dollars doesn't mean you have to, right? You also need to know mm. what you're comfortable with in terms of debt and repayments. And, you know, if interest rates go up to a certain level, uh, you know, you you don't want to be eating beans on toast every night, right? So Yeah, that, exactly. And I, yeah. I mean, the banks will, will mm. do their own calculations on what they're yeah lending you but mm-hmm. at the end of the day they're not factoring in if you want to spend a certain amount of money on overseas mm-hmm. trips every year or, yeah. or I don't know you travel to see family mm-hmm. or you just have some kind of lifestyle luxury that you enjoy mm-hmm. they're not factoring that in they're just kind mm-hmm. of making some guesses based yeah. on your income. yeah and they have to you know yeah they yeah. have to obviously yes otherwise it would take even longer for pre-approvals to come through <laughs> and how has that experience for you sort of been so far has it been do you have you if you don't mind me asking have you have you run a, a, a household budget before is this something that you've that that's a new thing for you has it been if it has been new has it been confronting going like oh my god I spend how much eating out <laughs> I would say it's not, it's probably not a new thing for me because mm. I'm a bit of like a numbers spreadsheet yeah. person mm. by nature. So I often kind of have these kind of spreadsheets with, you yeah. know, my bills and my rent and stuff in it that I know other people wouldn't dream of. But I would say, yeah, it's certainly, <laughs> I've certainly had to take a closer lens at my mm-hmm. spending and probably been. I've probably been appreciative that there's a lot of discretionary spending mm. on my part, like, it's interesting to think about things that you would maybe agree to give up if, if yes. you had your own things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I w- but I would say you don't need to be a, sp- a spreadsheet person. I, I use, you know, Excel, but sometimes I find the simplest thing to do is simply to write it like by hand on a piece of paper, you know, your, mm. your take-home pay at the top, Mm. maybe monthly or fortnightly and then your expenses that come out and it can just it can be really simple sometimes I think I overcomplicate it and I need to go back to the basics mm. oh I'm with you there you're talking to the right person there <laughs> you should see my spreadsheets I track literally every dollar that comes out of this house right I know where it goes literally I do and I do it once a week I categorize it is it a bill is it insurance is it eating out food blah fitness you know I'm at the gym I'm playing 10 oh my god you know that was an eye I had I had a confronting moment myself at the um last uh what was it end of June as I was you know doing sort of the the, the final week of that financial year and and I looked at the total of what had been spent on going to the gym on tennis on run you know I'm quite active out there and it went into quite it was you know over ten thousand dollars and I was like oh my god you know but at the end of the day I, I it's a choice that I'm making to spend money on that sort of thing right yeah and, and you're totally allowed to do that absolutely it's just good absolutely. to maybe prioritize if no you're yeah to do it on every yeah. The, yeah. Key, the key thing is I know right well I do now when I did it all up <laughs> And, uh, you know, as I had a look of horror on my face and my husband's going, what, what? I'm like, you do not want to know what I spend a year playing tennis. this, <laughs> <laughs> But at least I know, right? Yeah, I know where the money's going. Yes. And, 
if you know we have to tighten tighten the belts a little bit or you know economize on so i know i know where we can do that right it's kind of i've got those things to hand yeah yeah and i think even yeah. going through like the pandemic mm. and all of that stuff yeah um, it's kind of really opened my eyes mm. to yes i have all of these expenses like say you have a mm. car and a gym membership and you play mm. tennis and you eat out four times a week but you can sometimes zoom out. And again, sometimes I feel lucky that I'm just a single independent mm-hmm. person. So I have nothing else to think about. But I feel like I could cut all of that out if I needed to. Mm-hmm. Like I don't actually need a car. I could sell it. I don't need to eat out four times a week. Mm-hmm. I could eat at home. Mm-hmm. I pro- If I really needed to, I could cancel my gym membership and exercise outside. Like you can cut probably cut a lot of yeah. things you mm-hmm. But but if you have the money there, it's at your discretion. Well, yes, to use all, it and enjoy your life. Exactly. You know, it can't it can't all be about the future. You do you, exactly. You do need to enjoy the now as well, right? So yeah, totally. I think, but I do I do think there has to be some compromise because you know ten thousand dollars on fitness aside, <laughs> there's a lot going. You know, a lot of my loans are principal and interest payments now. So I'm making loan repayments every month. I also put extra into the offset accounts every week that is my surplus because I know what's coming in. I know what's going going out over the year. So I know what my surplus is and that goes out automatically. It's a set schedule payment in my bank. I don't even notice it's happening other than those offset accounts going up. So what I know what I'm left with, right? So I think it's really important to allow yourself that play money, right? Yeah, it's, definitely. It's a bit of a buzzword, you know, recently. So know, know that you can have a good time as well. So do you have any or have you experienced any concerns about what it is you are about to do? No, actually, I wouldn't say that I have. I think most people, you know, family, friends or Mm. anyone that I've kind of shared with that I'm starting this journey has been pretty supportive. I think Mm. it's kind of maybe the Australian culture, like getting into property and kind of Mm -hmm. as soon as you can afford it, get into the property ladder. So I think it's Mm. been pretty well received. And then it's just, yeah, it kind of just comes down to me and making that decision and making sure I can afford it and yeah, all of that kind of stuff. Yes, it's I think being able to have those conversations, especially with family, that, you know, not everybody is able to do that. And well-meaning though they can be, they can, you know, have fear for you on your behalf, even though that's not you. Yeah. <laughs> so they mean well, but uh, it can often be misplaced. So that is really good to know. Have you thought about the next sort of five, 10 years? Do you have particular goals if we assume that you're going to buy a place to live in for a little while soon, let's say before the end of the year or, you know, by the end of calendar year, let's say, do you have sort of in your mind goals ahead for the sort of medium and longer term Partners, all partners aside, all potential partners aside. (laughs) I know. Uh, It's an interesting one. I think, yeah, I think my plan would definitely be to be purchasing something that I can see myself living in at least like two to five years. Mm. And then because I'm looking at that kind of small apartment situation, I suppose I do have hope that in the next five to ten years 
I will hopefully be able to kind of use my equity and Mm. all that kind of stuff to then maybe invest more in that smaller like family home Mm. scenario. That said, if I remain single, then I probably have no need for that. So it kind of depends. But I think once I buy my first property, I don't, I certainly don't see it being my last. I plan Mm. to kind of then think about the next steps and you know, maybe I do decide to even buy a, a real pure investment property that's not somewhere that I live and diversify like where my properties are. But for now, one step at a time. <laughs> Absolutely, my love. First property that's, first. That's right. And it, it is good to have those longer term plans though, right, in terms of goal setting. That is, uh, and I hate to sound like a broken record, but it is critical that you have, you know, almost formalize in your mind this is where I want to be in a year in five years in 10 years and in all sorts of areas of your life right yeah definitely Um, it is it's really important otherwise you know I find that you know it can be you can just kind of cruise along and float along and you know before you turn around two years have gone by and you go oh hang on you know I was (laughs) I meant to, oh, this isn't, you know. And again, all pandemics aside as well, you know, throwing throwing curveballs at us. So uh, we'd love to have you on again to see yeah. how, on an update. It will, it will <laughs> maybe give me the uh, pressure needed to actually That's action. right. I know. <laughs> We're going to be doing the, the female investor Christmas special podcast. We're going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> no, love, of course not. No, you mustn't feel any pressure. It has to be right because you've got to live there, right? It's got to be um, yeah, totally. Got to be right for you. But we would, we'd, we'd love to 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 hear how you're going, and what your experiences will have been, right? When yeah, with the whole process, the agents, the opens, the you know other people that you're talking to, you know what you're observing out there. Because obviously, I do this sort of thing every day, but it's uh, it's good to you know it'd be lovely to hear how you're getting on. Yeah, I'll yeah, I'll hope hope to provide an update by the end of the year. <laughs> well, we wish you all the best with the search. Do stay in touch, obviously. Yes. You know where I am. And uh, thank you so much for being with us, love. It's so appreciated. Everyone will really, there'll be a lot of people out there in a very similar situation. So thank you for being very open and sharing with us. And um, we'll talk to you again soon. No worries. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye. Bye. And that's it for this episode. You can email any questions and comments that you have on info at thefemaleinvestor.com.au. Don't forget to grab a copy of your book, The Female Investor. You can go to your local bookstore, go to Amazon, Booktopia, or anywhere that good books are sold. Head to the website at thefemaleinvestor.com.au, where you'll find lots of resources on property, news, tips, and videos. Stay safe and well, everyone. I'll talk to you all again soon and bye for now.